All right, guys. Welcome to another episode on the podcast. Have myself, Brian Gold, my co-host, Squints, and our new friend, Dr. John. What's up, man? Appreciate Thanks you coming for, uh, out. Coming in, man. No, I love it. It's a really rad place, man. Oh, yeah. You know, a little contrast change from WeHo to over here. That's right. That's right. And <laughs> and it'll be about 20 degrees hotter for you today over <laughs> on this side. Yeah, you're from you're from Nashville. You can handle we're it. We're all good. Yeah, I grew up in Texas, so we're, oh, yeah, fine. we're squared up. Yeah. yeah. This is like winter. Uh, yeah, wait till this afternoon, then we'll, <laughs> then we'll, then we'll have that discussion. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, kind of give us a little background on, uh, you know, early life transitioning into career or. Yeah. Um, I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. My old man was a, uh, homicide detective and a SWAT hostage negotiator. So he was kind of a bad dude. And, um, and then my mom was a stay at home mom, her particular faith tradition said she had women had no business going to school after after high school like they had one job and so um i got to i got these two rad lessons growing up my old man like i have these vivid memories of like somebody gonna jump off a building or somebody having a bomb or something and he'd put on his bulletproof vest and he'd have this little grin and he would head downtown to Houston, downtown houston and then at 41 or 42 my mom i was a freshman in high school my mom took her first community college class and then her second one and then the next semester another one the next semester another one at 53 she graduated with her phd at oh. no, i'm sorry 57 with her phd at 63 she was a tenured professor and this summer she just finished her last semester teaching at oxford in the summer oh wow and so in her 70s and so i had these two lessons growing up there's no such thing as too old there's no such thing as you can't there's no such thing as there's not a path figure it out and when there's hurting people you go towards the smoke you don't run and so those are two lessons you kind of baked into you when you're a kid right yep and then um i this is also one I've, i i have never told this until recently we also had long seasons where my dad being this cop like this 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 guy helping the community he would go in we i have a brother and a sister so there's three of us there's not enough money for groceries like he like we had one car we didn't we didn't have a huge house and so um and then halfway through my childhood he stopped and became a minister at this large church that we went to and again that continued and so i had it stamped on me at a young age if that's what the community thinks of public servants i don't want no part of that i don't want to be a part of growing up like i'm all about helping but i don't want to be worried about groceries for my kids and that stress that financial stress in our house and so i shot out of college and started chasing money and titles and anything i could do to show the world that i had some worth in it and so i ended up working at universities and dude i was kind of on a bullet train kind of a obsessive and got my first big fancy phd and thought i was the smartest guy that dude i was the worst you know those annoying dudes that like get their degree and they have all those letters i was that guy <laughs> what an idiot and so i started chasing it man and chasing and chasing it and as the story goes man i was uh walking to work and uh i turned around and got back in my car and drove to another city where i had a buddy who was a medical doctor and i i was 24 7 365 on call i was chasing everything i was visiting students in the hospital all the time because i was a dean of students and so i was always dealing with suicide and calling parents to tell them their kid had passed away or sitting and all that and my marriage was is all right i just had a newborn and uh dude my body said i'm out 
Like, I've been, you're not listening to us. I've tried to make you anxious. I've tried to make you depressed. I've tried to do all these things to get your attention. And I just kept powering through and powering through and powering through. And so a guy like me, who's my parents are still married, dude. They 50 something years. I got good folks. I had all the degrees. I had support. If my body shuts me down, that sparked a question in me, which is like, dude, there's something bigger going on here in our culture. And so we took a massive household income pay cut. We moved to a new city, my wife and I and our, and our new kid, my son. And um, I started working with a smaller group of students, but I started asking, I need to figure out what's wrong with me, what's wrong with my marriage, what's wrong with my friends' marriages, what's wrong with my community. So I ended up getting a second PhD in counseling, just I'm a nerd and I like to follow my nose down the academic trail. But um, then I became pretty passionate about sitting with folks when the wheels were falling off and I started partnering with the local police department just going around doing death notifications with them and sitting with people who are the worst of the worst the wildest stuff you can imagine and while they did their job I'd sit with the hurting folks and that became a path towards man we got a our, got a sick culture and um, everybody's burned out everybody's fried and so what does it look like to to uh, sit with hurting people and turn the corner on that and um, then I moved to Nashville to work at another university and I ran into Dave Ramsey and um, his executive VP. She's like, I'm going to hire that guy. And then as my, my young son says, remember when you used to be a Dean of students and now you're just a YouTuber dad. <laughs> so <laughs> dude, uh, at, 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 in, in my early forties, um, I followed my mom. I just did a big U-turn and turn left. And now I'm doing this new thing. But again, the, the, my mission in life's always been the same is to sit with hurting people and yeah. just say, Hey man, what, what can we do next? Well, no bigger platform than YouTube, right? It's wild. To be able dude. to touch lives in that way. That's right. And share. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's the greatest time to be alive in that sense of being able to share uh your passion and commitment to to helping others. That's right, yeah. Wow, that was a It's a trip. Yeah, it's a wild it's a trip. Yeah. It's a wild story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um you know, God bless your mom for having the, the she's courage awesome. to... Uh, she's a gangster, dude. To take yeah. on, yeah. you know, such a life path and change. That's yeah, a that's yeah. a big, uh, it's a big undertaking at a, at a, at a you know, an older age. I think uh, the, like, I, like, I gave you the Disney version, right? Like, of, of course. so yeah. cool, your mom, like, goes and does all this stuff. It was hard. I'm sure there was right? a lot of life. Like, I remember like, being, being 12 and she came in, or 13 and she came and dropped the the uh like the soap for the washing machine she's like this is it you want clean clothes this is how this thing works and a lot of dinners me figuring it out right because yeah. she was in class or she was teaching and it really altered the dynamic of my parents marriage right and and the dynamic for our household so it was hard right and i think sometimes when we go to make big life changes we don't anticipate how hard that is it hard, it's hard on the whole system right and you want to lose weight you want to go back to school you want to you know move up in your career it impacts your kids, it impacts your spouse, it impacts your friends, it impacts everything. And they want homeostasis. They want to bring you back, even without meaning to, right? And so it's tough to make some of those big shifts, man. And now that I got my own kids and my own family, I'm realizing, man, that's tough. Yeah. When you, when you flip a switch, it affects everybody. Totally. Oh, yeah. Changes the game completely. Yeah, yeah. How is it seeing a lot of that trauma and helping people through it? Does some of that rub off on you? Or are you able yeah. to... Yeah, I've got a close buddy, um, Lynn Jennings. She's a researcher. She researches something. We were having coffee one morning and uh, just talking nerds. And she said, John, you know, there's such thing as uh, secondary traumatic stress. And I rolled my eyes and I was like, Ooh, what's that? And she said, 
there were some studies done on soldiers, and I think it was World War One, um, where they were trying to see how far they could push a man before they broke, and how far, like wh when somebody got hurt, how, how quickly can you get back on the battlefield and things. And so they were going through it. But one of the side findings was, you know, who's really melting here is all these nurses, and they weren't getting shot at. There was no combat. They were just dealing with blood and guts and screams and hurting young men day after day after day. And that's launched into a study of, yeah, those like, then that became my nerd research was with doctors and attorneys and folks who sit with hurting people all day. It tends to skew the way you see the world, man. That's a pretty dark negative place. How does someone like you stay positive seeing all of that? Man, that's, it's kind of the roadmap of this book. Like, I think that's our whole culture now, right? It used to be isolated to a few professions and now all of us just scroll all day with every tragedy on every corner of the earth. Every tragedy or everybody's saying that their life isn't good enough and they need to try harder. That's right. And and as a as a as a tribal being, right? We're designed to look with our small little tribe. Are we are we squared up? And man, there's no keeping up with the Joneses no more. We're keeping up with everybody on planet Earth. Right? You you were scrolling in Dubai. And saw me right, right yeah. in Nashville, Tennessee. We're not supposed to do that, right? We're not designed for that. Nope. Um, Halfway around the world. Yeah. And my immediate thought when you reached out is, man, that, look how many more followers that dude has in me. That was my first thought. That's insane. That's not. That's not evolutionarily wired into us, but it's uh, or it might be, but the now technology. Yeah. There we go. Right. So uh, some people let yeah. it get to their egos too. Now that's it, you have to really swim upstream for it not to. I think. Yeah. Like I've reached out to some people over time to get them on and they're like, oh, it's not mutually beneficial. You're s smaller than me. I'm like, who gives a shit? Yeah. They both have something <laughs> yeah. interesting to talk about. Yeah. I think, I think, um, the beauty for me is that I, I spent my career trying to not exist on the internet. Like I just want to show up and help people and be out. And so the goal for me was never to quote unquote, make it. The goal for me was to help people, man, stop hurting and or to have to be able to sit in in a mess and know i'm not alone and so yeah if you chase metrics man you chase yourself right off a cliff if you chase the mission of what you're doing and why you're doing it that's sustainable and then you know my boss dave he says all the time you know if you help enough people money takes care of itself if you're about helping people solve problems and taking care of people the other stuff will figure itself out yeah one of my mentors always used to say get rich by giving shit away for free yeah there you go same concept. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's stuff or time or yep. part of you or whatever. Yeah. But no, secondary trauma, that's real, man. If you sit with hurting people long enough, it, it skews the way you experience the world for sure. So how does someone like you decompress? Um, I don't know if it's about decompress, man. I think you've got to, got to have a group of people that you're connected to all the time that you can be honest with and be open with. And I think we've created the loneliest generation in human history, which sucks. Wow. Um, Most connected, but the loneliest. That's true. I think we, I don't, this may be semantics, but I think we have, have uh, created the most communicating generation, but not the most connected. Yeah. Um, I think I can text my wife a million times. I love you. I love you. I love you. But then I, I get home. I've already said it a, a million times. I don't need to say it again. And so her body is, doesn't feel safe in the same way that she would if I looked her in the eye and took her hands in my face and said, I love you, right? Yeah. Um, We've talked about that recently about, uh, <clears throat> about the disconnection at home with the family, basically because there's nothing left to say because we're so connected that we continually 
bring all of this stuff up throughout the day. And then when we get home, we're just continued in our, our headspace of whatever it is and not actually having this physical connection. Yeah. You know, men used to leave the house to go to work and you would just not see them again. Yeah. Some of them never returned, but some of them, you know, come back in the nighttime and that was it. I mean, they left the house, there was no contact, but you had stuff to share when you sat down in front of each other mm -hmm. and it kind of created a different family dynamic of like actually sharing your day. That's right. Instead of seeing it, it real time. And it flips the other way too. You're never not at work. Yeah. Work goes with you everywhere. Yeah. And so you're always have business problems at your dinner table and you've always got, cause you're sitting right there with a conversation. You're still talking to your boss with your kids sitting right there yeah. and that's new too so it's both of them right mm -hmm. and it's a it's a strange little glitch in the matrix we all found ourselves in but i think you have to have a group of people and then for me it became how far upstream so in counseling they tell us you know your job is to stick your arm in and help pull people out but ultimately you're failing your clients if you don't ask the question where why do they keep falling in right and so every counselor's supposed job is to help people get out of the out of the river but also go up and see what about this system that's shoving people in so for me the further up river i can i can say i'm struggling i can say i'm not doing well that's my job then to go up and say okay what does have to be true in my life so that i can anchor in and go help people and um so for me it's i gotta take care of my body i gotta i gotta exercise i gotta have people in my life i gotta have my religious practice i gotta have these things that anchor me in so that right i think and i do man We've got a a culture obsessed with comfort, and so there's people are quitting some of these harder jobs at record rates. And I don't think it's the job's fault. I think it's we've created lives where we can't anchor in, and we're not whole, so we can't go in and do these hard jobs. And um, we don't have cultural support either for some of these hard jobs. But um, I think it's up to us to go up, upstream and do the hard stuff so that we can go do the jobs that need to be done. I mean, first responders have like a pretty rough. Uh, yeah, it's brutal. A pretty rough. Uh, I mean, it's always been a rough job, but nowadays, even with the social climate and the, yeah. the fact that you know the even when some are paid well, it's not a, it's not enough to justify the amount of uh, you know physical and mental stress that goes into taking those calls or responding or nurses and uh, you know if you see a nurse in a hospital in action, I mean, they do everything. everything. Doctor walks in for five minutes and. <laughs> And then you're back with the nurse, right? We just had a baby recently. She turned one yesterday. Congrats, so uh, I've had a couple home births before that, and we had to transfer to the hospital this time. And I watched this nurse, like, literally labor with us for, like, 11 hours and then clean up and then do paperwork. And the doctor walked in twice, and this girl did everything. Uh -huh. I mean, she did the paperwork. She did the laboring. She was with us the whole time. She cleaned the room afterwards. It's like, I was like, wow, this is a, this is a lot, you know? And then she goes in and the, uh, the, the manager of the hospital, who's not even a physician says, well, that takes too long. Yeah. Means you'll get, go right, you're onto the next room. Exactly. Right? And that's just a recipe for man. You know what? I'm gonna go do something. Was that else. going postal? That old <laughs> The post office uh, employee that loses it because the work never ends and it's just a thankless job, right? Well, it's the the work never ends, but there's not a purpose behind it, yeah. right? Uh, you can you can work for you can work eternally if you believe in what you're doing and why you're doing it and the value it brings. But man, yeah, if you're just if someone's just hitting you and hitting you and hitting you and hitting you, and the people receiving what you're doing, 
are just jawing at you. And so why teachers are quitting at record numbers because um, the parents have waged war against them. Their communities have waged war against them. They don't make enough money for this war. Not it's like, man, all, McDonald's is 20 bucks an hour. That, I can clock out of that and just go home, right? It's a lot and, less to, to take with you, right? That's right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, um, so it's a zoo, man. But I, I can really easily get caught up in the systems part of this thing. And what I know about mental health is the only way I can stay whole and healthy is to distill it down is what can I actually control right now. And so we can all get lost in the systems and we can get frustrated and angry by the systems. And I think that's right and good. But then I got to ask myself, what do I got to do now? Yeah, and I've what's, said, what's in your control? What's next? That's right. And I've sat with countless number of sexual assault victims and, and people on the margins. And you name it, I've sat with them. And no matter what the situation is, we always end up in that same question, like, what are you going to do now? And so that's, I think, a question that a lot of us don't like to ask because that puts a responsibility on us and our small community that, of people that we do or don't have in our life versus, well, what are you going to do? And I just don't think that's how the world spins, man. I think we all have to say, look in the mirror and say, okay, what do I do next? And that's tough, man. That's tough. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. What is the physiological uh, explanation for, for anxiousness? Like what, what is going on in our body? Obviously, I feel like it's either fearing the future, or regretting the past type of, type of deal, obviously. Yeah. That, but yeah, I, the, in our nervous system, what's going on when we feel like this? I think I'll, I'll speak to it globally. We can dig in a little bit. I, all anxiety is all it is. And, and there's a lot of cute ways it comes across on Instagram and this, all it is, is, it's a smoke alarm for your body. It's just your body trying to get your attention. There's a researcher out at, uh, at NYU, Wendy Suzuki. She's awesome. She just she calls anxiety your friend. It's somebody just letting you know, hey, there's your body has detected you're not safe. And so if you just think you have, you know, those little like ring cameras, your brain's got one 24/7, 365. Just scan the environment. Are you are you all right? Are you safe? And it will sound the alarm before you even recognize. You know, you've been in that party and you just start to get that like, I need to go. It's time to go. And somebody always says, dude, just set off right when you let, like your body knows. It remembers that. Or if you grew up in your dad beat the crap out of you or your mom took off, it puts a GPS pin. Like, don't get too close to people because the two people that were supposed to show up for you didn't. And then 20 years later, you get married and it, it sounds that alarm. Like she starts getting close and you're like, your body says, whoa, 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 whoa. And so you end up being roommates with the person you said I do to, right? And so all it is is just trying to get your attention. And it doesn't have a vested interest in you having a great life. It has a vested interest in you staying alive. And so physiologically, it's stress is stress is stress is stress, right? And so it sets off your amygdala and floods your body with cortisol and adrenaline. It just it does its thing. And it can do that over a long period of time. And that's the world we created and that, that will kill you over time. And it will do it acutely, right? Like, oh, there's a fight. Like, I need this right now, right? Um, but for me, it was, okay, let, let me say it this way. This is unpopular in my mental health community, but more people right now are under the care of a mental health professional than ever before in human history. More people are medicated for mental health disorders right now than ever before in human history. And the trend line is directly vertical. And so I had to ask myself, what if we're, what we're doing is not working? Because when they discovered penicillin and they put it into a pill, deaths from Life infection, expectancy. it fell off a map, right? I mean, yeah. it just ended. 
and it's not doing that same thing. And so I think we've created lives that our bodies can't exist in, man. They're just not designed to live like this. And I think it's different than we think it is. Um, and so it began to say, okay, I want to solve for some of these issues. Cause you mentioned it. Men have been going off to war and not coming home for years until the war. Like, uh, it wasn't like a deployment. It was when the war's over, right? Yeah. And that might be however long. And you don't read about these levels of anxiety back then. And you don't read about these levels of mass depression back then. It was a purpose is what we're doing. And so, man, we've created something in this little glitch in the matrix to, that we need to figure out. So I, it's just trying to get your attention. It says we're not all right. We're not all right. Going back to when your body shut down and you decided you needed to make a change, what shut down for you? Um, my wife says I was like being married to a taser. And so it start the first, if I go back and just and try to recreate it, it started with those, your eyes pop open at 2.30 in the morning and 2.30 in the morning and 3.30 in the morning. And then it slowly goes to those meetings where you're sitting in them and you start asking like, why don't y'all all see this? And if they would just, and why didn't that guy? And so everything begins to be a projection into the future and onto others, right? And if I sit back and go, now I think, your body, dude, if you're lonely, if you don't have any friends, if your body thinks you're solely responsible for your food, for the kids, for your personal protection, it would fail you if it let you sleep, if it let you fully rest. It would be failing you. It would be failing you if it let you fully sit in the presence of a romantic partner and be totally connected. Because somebody might be going to kill you and there's nobody else but you, right? Um, we did a survey at our study with uh, with a couple thousand people um out of our shop and to seven out of ten people don't have more than one or two people to call in the middle of the night like i need you to come watch my kids i gotta take my wife to er i got no but nobody to call your body would be failing you if it let you be at peace because it's 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 so on the precipice and then one step further in an effort to not be like my dad in an effort to not worry about money and groceries I had a great salary. My wife was a fancy research professor. She was making great money too. Together, we were crushing it. And so I bought a real big house and I had two cars, took car payments and I had six figures of student loans. So suddenly I'm in hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I dug a bigger hole than my old man ever could have dug with my fancy degrees. Mm -hmm. And if we think of we're the most indebted society, you can take the mental health um, and prison statistics and drop it right on top of the stock market and the maps almost match completely. If I owe six figures in student loans and I owe a big mortgage and I owe car debt, this part of my brain, my frontal lobe will know, bro, if you bought a house at 2.9%, that's a great deal. If you bought a car on a 60 year, I mean a 60 month note and there's no interest, that is a great mathematical deal, you won. And your amygdala knows if you say one wrong thing at work and get fired, they take our house, they take your cars, they take your kids' food, and your brain would be failing you if it didn't alert you to the fact that you're not safe. And debt has been a tool used to enslave people for all of human history. 100%. And that's how we breathe now. And so there's all the the Instagram finance and, you know, like the, the bro science, we call it like the, the bro finance, like, bro, do this and buy this and flip this. I tell you what, man, there's something about sleeping all night 
because nobody can take my house away because it's mine. You know what I mean? And that might not be the greatest, the greatest math math, math down the road, but man, my kids want to come home. It's a sense of security because my house is an electric, right? And so it's it's I stop sleeping. Then you, I, when I stop sleeping, I start grabbing food to prop up that energy. Then I start grabbing caffeine and then you go to, I'll skip a workout and then I go to, I'm just going to stay up a little bit later and watch a little bit more Netflix. And now in the last decade, dude, <laughs> bro, Netflix took this away. This. It just starts the next show for you. You don't even got to move your hand and it already, it knows you better than you know yourself. Yeah. So it's like, you're going to want to watch this one. It just starts it and we just sit there and we're like, all right. So all of those things together. Um, I like to say if you have to take medication for sleep, for sexual intimacy, or to go to the bathroom, three like core basic functions. Your body's probably trying to get your attention about something. You may have some medical issues down the road somewhere, but that's at least a good place to start. But man, you find yourself isolated and alone, that, and then at, that was the moment, dude. I had to go talk to a buddy and say, I'm not all right. And then how long was the process to get back to? It was a long time. It was a long time. I had a lot of ego. I had a lot of, um, I had a career, I had a wife, I had a kid. So it was a lot of changing the car on the oil. I mean, changing the oil on the car while it was driving, right? Um, but it took a long time. It, it, I think I could have short circuited a lot if I'd had a map, but I didn't have a map. Um, I never, I didn't have a plan. And then I tried to navigate the mental health system, which is a mess and try to navigate the medical system, which was a mess. And, um, so it was a lot of trial and error. Do you find a lot of people these days or have more anxiety due to worrying about problems that are outside of their control? I mean, I think that's an aspect to it. Yeah. I think there's, we're told everything's in our control and everything is our job and everything is you, if you're not worried about something, it's because you don't care. You don't have any empathy. You don't, you don't like humanity. You're privileged. You fill in the blank. You put in insult, whichever insult that makes you feel better. But yeah, um, there's something innate in us that makes it uncomfortable to use that off button on the TV or off button on your phone. And I also think this, man, y'all tell me if I'm wrong. I think that most of us, y'all heard the golden rule, right? Do unto others. Mm -hmm as you would have them doing to you. I think that in the last 25 to 50 years, we flipped that. I think we treat other people way better than we treat ourselves. That's I think true. we That's very hate ourselves. Statement. And so I think there's a lot of core anxiety from, I don't like who I am, what I'm doing doesn't matter, why I'm doing it doesn't matter. And so I'm just gonna, I'll buy this thing. This'll make me feel better for a minute. I'll, I'll, I'll drink this, I'll take another drink beyond what I know I should probably have tonight. I'm going to go ahead and text this other lady back, even though my wife's sleeping in that next room over there because she makes me feel alive. I think it's just this constant reaching for a th another thing, but I think it's because we can't sit and look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I'm all right. It's a, it's, it's a dark turn. And let's be honest, companies would be failing themselves if they didn't convince you that you need something else to make yourself okay, right? That's, 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 that's the whole game. That's it. That's right. Yeah. Which good on them, but also it's all it's 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 an empowerment. It's an empowerment. I got I got to make choices for me. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, thinking that object will make things better, and yeah. bought another one and another one. End of the day, you look at all of it, and you're like, that doesn't fix it. Yeah, there's that old uh, mental health saying: the worst part about getting that new whatever is that you go with you, and like you get that new job, cool. Your business, you had your first ten million dollar year. 
and you're brushing your teeth that next morning you look up and that's just still you man it's still you still the things you love about yourself the things you don't love about like and uh so it's making peace with how do i make peace with the guy i see in the mirror yeah i don't think that uh the shiny objects don't really do it i think i've curbed myself of that uh i still buy stuff but i'm under the impression that i don't really get the you know, I like looking at them until I have it, and then <laughs> it sits in a box somewhere, probably, or a new watch, or this or that. Um, luckily, I'm passionate about my business, which is like not not very common in our world today. It's like people being able to do something they like to do every day. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I know I'm blessed in that in that regard. It's a lot. I mean, it's a lot to deal with every day, but it, it is still like it's a blessing knowing that like I chose to do this and it's not just because i have to you know but uh, before we were recording we we're just talking it sounded like you actually care about helping people out oh yeah for sure and there's 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 a derivative to that right yeah there's a community of the culture yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it uh is definitely what leads me not like financially driven we're gonna go to work every day regardless yeah. of the way the market is that's just what we do yeah um and that kind of keeps us on that path awesome. and knowing that we're headed in the right direction yeah that's awesome yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's let's talk about some just some some basic tips you could share with the viewers or the listeners out there about you know what we can do to kind of uh, slow down a little bit or, mm -hmm. or understand what our body's telling us and work towards a, a healthier place. I think the um, so I, I tried to distill all the nerd stuff into a way that I could explain it to myself, and mm -hmm. I I tend to talk myself into circles a lot and i've got a 13 year old little boy and so part of it was how could i understand it and how could i explain it to him and um so i tried to come up with a with a with a roadmap to say okay what do i need to do every day so that i can create a space for my body to be okay so i can go do this hard stuff and by the way this isn't a call to not be ambitious like i got two little kids world's jacked i need a bunch of really ambitious people out there solving some big problems right yeah. it's not that it's just knowing that when you get there if your old man hadn't called and told you he's proud of you that call ain't coming right this amount of money this shiny thing it's not going to solve you and so how can we be okay and then go do that hard stuff and so in in creating a roadmap it starts with dude you got to choose reality and I think most of us, we live, we, you hear the attention economy. I, I think that's a, a positive way to spin. And I think we live in the distraction economy, like the look over here, economy, look over here, look over here. And so there's something about sitting down and saying, okay, how overweight am I? What is the state of my business? What's the state of what's my blood test say? What's the state of my marriage? Do my kids walk in the door and head straight to the room and slam the door and i just laugh and be like oh those are teenagers or do i look at human history and say no no teenagers didn't hate their parents until recently right that's not a that's not an ancient phenomenon and so what is the state of things and if we can't choose reality and we choose netflix and we choose our phones and we choose chasing shiny stuff i love that um then our body's going to always be solving for reality always 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 the second one is you got to choose connection you got to choose community you got to choose friends and that's just awkward there's no roadmap for 40 year olds with no friends it just it sucks man or when you have those 20 year old friends that have been the, the so great and then suddenly 
they get married and they move and they have a kid and then you've got a kid and life just kind of does this. I think uh, one of our great core missions right now is to get a gang. Or if you were overseas at deployment and somebody's like laying down their life for you and then you come back and move into like some suburban neighborhood and like the next door neighbor like waves at you taking the trash out. That's hard, man. You know what I mean? That's like hard because that friendship's going to be different than what you just experienced. You got to go do it anyway. Um, and then the third one is you got to choose freedom. And that sounds so, I don't mean it in the patriotic sense. I mean it in the, if you have a mortgage, if in mortgages are hard, but if you've got car payments, the Acura lending program is going to tell you what you're doing tomorrow, not you. If your mortgage company will tell you what you're doing tomorrow, your student loan service provider will tell you you're going to go to work tomorrow and you're going to work 12 hours for that dude who is super abusive because I own you, right? And so what can I begin to unhook from that will let my body go? We're safe now. Yeah. And that goes beyond money. That goes to our calendars that are so wound tight that if one thing gets off five minutes, the whole day falls over, you know? Or how many of us still, our mother-in-law still tells us what we're going to do for Thanksgiving or we have no boundaries in our life, right? So it's about unhooking from who you're going to own. And then the next one is health and healing. If you get childhood abuse, if you've got physical stuff, you got to go, go get that taken care of or your body's going to sound. You're not safe. You're not safe. You're not safe. And then um, there's mindfulness and, and we can talk about that's a whole other podcast. And then the final one was the most controversial one when I was writing it. I knew I was going to get myself in trouble across the board, but um, I didn't feel like it was honest if I didn't, if I didn't put it in there. For the first time in human history, we've created a culture. Uh, let me say it this way. Every civilization throughout human history had a series of gods or a god or something. They walked outside of their tent and looked to the sky and said, please rain or my family dies. Right. Please protect us because this tribe's coming over the hill and it's about to be on. And in the last 200 years, we've solved for like we just hit a button and food shows up on our front door and I can turn a knob and water just comes out and we got real arrogant and I don't think our bodies are, have evolved to be the center of the universe. And I think when it becomes the center of the universe, the only thing you have left to worship is you. And then that means you worship how you feel. And then you start saying crazy things like my truth and stuff like that. That doesn't even make any sense. And then you expect the world to bend to your arc, right? To your to move around you, you as you navigate through the world. And so the last one is, I think we have to have a a return to choosing belief. You got to believe in something bigger than yourself, and you have to anchor into that. Otherwise, your body's going to constantly be solving for the universe, and it's too big. Um, all the great uh, psychological theorists, you know, had this self actualization. And I think we're all actualized. If you go back and read, like we're there and the self can't hold, man. It wasn't designed to hold up everything like that. So there's a there's a call to believe in something bigger than yourself. And I won't prescribe that for people, but um, we got to figure that out. I think if you I, and I look at it like this, man, there's no I could never brush my teeth so good on a Monday that I don't got to do it again till Thursday. Right. I can never work out so good on a Monday on September one that I don't have to work out again until, you know, October one. Similarly, I got to do every day. I got to make sure I'm solving for, I can even have this conversation with my wife. I got to talk to my kid. I got to make sure I exercise. I got to make sure I, I call my counselor. I got to make sure I call a buddy. I got to make sure I take a knee to something bigger than myself. And I'm going to make that a daily practice. 
And over time, my body will quit sounding those alarms, man. It'll quit sounding the alarms because the smoke was never the problem. It was always the fire. It was always a, always a fire. What's the... How do you feel personally since you've made these changes and these realizations? Here's the best way I could say this. And, I, and whenever I... It kind of came out on a stage. I was doing a talk and this, this story came out and I wasn't going to tell it as a private story. So here I am, I've got this big mental health and, and relationships and parenting show, right? And it's kind of taken off in a way that I don't think any of us expected. My son is great, dude. He's just an awesome 13 year old. He's just rad. And my daughter, she's seven now and she's a human hurricane dude. She's awesome. And my big dirty secret was my daughter wouldn't hug me. She wouldn't. And she was not on the spectrum. She just was like, she would always say, no, dad. And I would, it kind of was a game, but it kind of wasn't a game. And then that was like four and then five and then six. And it was starting to become an issue. Like, hey, my daughter won't, my own daughter won't hug me. Like I'm doing something wrong. And it wasn't, this is just a few years ago. Uh, I went and sat with a trauma counselor and I'd gone through this and gone through this and gone through this. And there was some stuff I wasn't honest about. And I finally sat down with the trauma counselor and said, this happened. And she said, now your healing begins. And we worked through it for months. And most recently, um, my wife was sitting down she goes, you know, you're always talking about neuroception, that, that scanning, your body's always scanning. What if that little bitty girl in your house loves you you don't yell you don't hit anybody in the house what if she felt that nuclear reactor that was always there and her body said for some reason that guy's not safe and just recently i said a sentence this is just a few months ago i said a sentence that i couldn't have imagined and i looked at her and I said get off me now she's like a monkey she won't get off me and because i'm safe I'm safe here. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I think with anxiety, a lot of times, and even depression, I think we get so amped up into how do we feel? How do we feel? And I think that whole thing makes us stare at our belly buttons. There's something about healing for you that heals your whole ecosystem, that heals the people in your life. And it works in a very circular fashion, man. All of a sudden the whole house gets lifted up, man. It's like, it's like somebody pulled the shades up and all of a sudden the light's coming into the window, right? And so that's how it's changed, man. Um, my wife said something the other night. This is just a few nights ago. She's like, hey, can we sit down and watch a show? And I need to borrow your nervous system for a while. And I was like, me? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to loan it. And she just leaned up real close like a puppy would, right? And we watched some cheesy show. And she got up and she's like, cool. And just, I need, but it's peace, right? It's yeah. just peace. It's peace. And I don't think, uh, this may be cheesy, but. My granddad uh, was a World War II vet. He fought Nazis, right? Yeah. Like, he fought Nazis. Yeah. He has a picture of not peace. Yeah. And I think a couple of generations removed, us, our culture's not peace is, I got my feelings hurt, or yeah. our not peace is, I can't believe, fill in the blank. I don't think we have a reference point for peace. And we're so spun up and we're so anxious and we're so fried all the time. And there's something about your household when it goes, whew, right? And so paint this picture. Imagine if you could just like go to bed 
at like nine or ten o'clock you just fell asleep because you're tired no meds no crazy you just went to bed you didn't need some app to you just went to bed and imagine if you woke up and you just drank coffee because you wanted to just because you're like I'm gonna, I'm gonna speed up this morning or it's delicious or whatever not because if i don't have coffee i'm gonna kill somebody right i mean just begin to imagine what would your life be and then those crazy ambitious goals you have those wild like i want to go save the world you can actually go do that in a sustainable way man and so that's i mean that's how it's changed in my house and let me tell you i'm not perfect at it and we're figuring it out and life goes like this and all that and yeah. um i'm in a crazy travel season now the difference is my wife and i sat down for a week and planned it out back in august or back in july actually like hey this fall's gonna be night let's go ahead and start putting deposits in that relationship account right now so that we can spend them so um it's pretty transformative man when did the the book release it comes out october 3rd okay so it's in pre-sale now yeah, yeah awesome yeah, yeah yeah um how does this like so i'm interested like we've never met and does it does it hit two like just three dudes two of which are buddies one of which just shows up does it hit is i don't buy it or does it hit as like no I dude mean, that sounds like it would be legit obviously it is we legit. Are all living this life that you're talking about yeah, yeah it's not secular by any means like this is a common um this is a common american uh crux at this point i feel mm -hmm. like i feel like we're all kind of walking around in our own little mission doing our own thing being the main characters or so we think yeah yeah yeah. and we think that we're doing our best foot forward for our families and right. this and that and obviously we're all wound up tight i mean you can drive around la and see that it doesn't take nothing but somebody to stop too long at a stoplight or bro <laughs> the wrong way before like people are physically in altercations that end in the worst case scenario yeah. on any given day here in the city. Mm. And I mean, even if you're not a time bomb, like a lot of the people are here, um, you're still like seeing this and experiencing it at, yeah. at every moment. Yeah. You're, you're right. I mean, there's something wrong. Yeah. It's the best time to be alive in the sense that we have the access, access. to reach, touch, have anything delivered to us, but we feel worse than we ever have. And we're not okay just being okay. Um, I watched a film with uh, Denzel Washington called Fences the other night, and it was about, uh, it was like a character study piece. It was a great, great movie, but it was, I'm from Pittsburgh originally, and uh, it took place in Pittsburgh in 1950. So like a lot of the similarities of like my grandfather and the way he dressed and everything, mm -hmm. it was like, so like I was tripping out watching it because I'm like, damn, he was like, like identical, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, a lot of it was based around, he's trying to build a fence for his wife and it's like just a character study of his household and with his friend but like i remember life being a lot simpler a lot a lot slower a lot like sitting out on the front porch and having a sense of community with these neighbors and these people that you lived around mm -hmm. and uh i waved to my neighbor across the street but we've never like sat down and shared space mm -hmm. and i feel like there used to be a, a tribe of people that raised these villages raised yeah, their children yeah and and each other and uh we're there for us and uh that's gone you yeah. know and it we all have like kind of a hole in us that is uh we're trying to replace with things and it doesn't seem like it's working so i'm with you bro i, I like 100 percent. i understand i got a text message last night from 
I grew up on a street, and it's a pretty magical street, man. But there was a whole bunch of boys who grew up on the street together, and you know, one's passed away, one's you know done this, one's end up here. But we've all stayed relatively connected, even though, man, we've just gone crazy different lives. I got a text message last night from seventy-two-year-old mother of one of those guys, just telling her, telling me how she's proud of me. I'm her other boy and i love watching you grow up and please write a story or write a book about us one day and it was like that sense of oh dude i had a whole bunch i had a whole bunch of moms yeah i got my gangster mom but dude i had kathy and i had nita and i had yeah. I, I had these women that these men these dads that were like i'm not gonna tell your dad but if you ever do that again yes sir you know what i mean it was like that's just kind of how it it came up there was a great researcher about um he's i don't know how you research this but he's like an apocalyptic researcher not theologian, but like a, if it all goes down. Yeah. And it wasn't deep freezers and it wasn't like cutouts in the ground. He said the number one hedge against like a grid blackout or some kind of bombing, the number one hedge against that is to really have great relationships with your neighbors. Yeah. Know, know the people in your neighborhood that you would have to do darkness Art with. system. That you would have to do neighbors with. And I thought, man, I don't sell a lot of deep freezers, man, but what if I just went and met my neighbors, you know, <laughs> and uh, like shook hands with folks and got yeah. weird and had a barbecue and said, y'all are welcome to come over. And um, yeah, dude, what a wild. You asked a question about the physiology. I'll just say this, man. When your brain gets, when that anxiety switch gets flipped in a in a pretty strong way, your brain quickly divides the world up into us's and them's yeah. real fast. Who's on my team and who's not. And it will crank stories up so fast. And so it, I got to thinking about that. You just said that somebody just comes out in traffic or cuts you off. And I always joke, it's always like some cat in a square Kia. Always, always a square Kia, dude. Listening to house music that cuts you off. And I'm somebody, dude, I go to Insta Rage fast and it... And I just can I can find myself just grabbing the steering wheel and start yelling at that dude. But it was when I realized that's just a story I just made up about that guy. Yeah. That he's doing drugs and he's trying to kill everybody. He's just a stupid millennial. Make it, I could make up whatever story. And I also then could, he pulls out, I could exhale and say a quick prayer. God help him get to the hospital before his wife dies. I get to make up whatever story about that guy I want to. One of those is going to give me a stroke and kill me. And one of those is going to make me a little more empathetic and give me peace when I go up to my house. I get to pick the path, man. Yeah. And if I live, if I've done the work up here, upriver, then when those moments have my, my cup's not full and it's got, I got plenty of space to absorb whatever comes, man. And, uh, and by the way, it's no bad stuff happens. Yeah. People you love are going to die. Mom's going to get sick. No way of getting around that. One. That's right. That's right. Um, like a decade ago, as I was getting well, part of it, we talked about the money stuff. My wife and I just said, hey, we're not, let's just make a commitment to not owe anybody any more money. So we worked for a decade, like multiple jobs. We were like crazy to, to, get, to get to this place. And last year, my cousin died. He just died, died, died back in Houston. And I bought two plane tickets. I called a buddy to watch my kids and my wife booked a hotel. And we flew to Houston and from Nashville I had the privilege I had the gift of being able to go to my cousin's funeral and just be 
real, real sad. Just sad as hell. But I wasn't ever anxious. And I was never worried about, hey, we just spent all this money on this. How are we going to pay bills? And we got to move the money over. I just got to be real sad, right? And grief is a part of life. And the anxious parts never came into it, right? If you own your house and the interest rates go up, like that's, you know what I mean? Or if it, it just changes the way you experience life. And it also keeps other people from controlling you so much, man. And so, I don't know. I think I think moving the thing back upstream, looking in the mirror and saying, what can I do right now? Me and my household, what can we do right now? And I think that's the recipe, man. Let's talk about that a little bit because I feel like uh, my daughter's 21. She just hit me recently and talking about going to school for design or something, yeah. which I thought was probably... Uh, you know, taking on student debt to go to a fancy design school is probably a bad lead up to <laughs> a career in fashion from yeah. what I know in my business sense, you know? And yep. I think that- I think you're right. I can't go pull a $100,000 credit card tomorrow uh, out of a bank, but they'll give an 18 year old kid uh, to go to whatever class they want or to be used or not. And I mean, obviously some people do, some people won't, but we have kind of a system that's set up to start indebting us immediately, right? Yeah, that's right. Especially when we're not conscious of, I mean, I got tattoos that I don't want to have from when I was 18. Yeah, I saw that the other day, like I was 17 years old and- I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, just wait, because <laughs> it'll change. Yep, yeah. And then it'll change again and again and again. Yep. Until you don't want them at all. Yeah. And it's too late, it's, you know? They're on there, that's right. Yeah, yeah. but- uh. I mean, we have a society that obviously it's is is like free trade and free market and capitalism is feeding this thing, and, yeah. and we're all for having a choice. But yeah. you know, setting setting ourselves up for failure from the start seems to be like the American way at this point. Is like let's go go backwards first to learn something, to go get a job, to to be on the wheel, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I I I can't think of a more dangerous place for a creative to be. Yeah. Then to start that creative endeavor, a hundred grand in the hole or 150 grand in the hole. Yeah. Because you know what you're going to design, whatever your boss tells you to do. Yeah. And where are you going to work? Wherever they'll accept you. Mm -hmm. And that's not a way to do creative endeavors, right? No. It's not a way to start a, a business, a small business. Imagine the number of small business owners that go out and get a big SBA loan to get going. You've just attached yourself to the U.S. government. They now own you. Yeah. They will tell you what you're going to do until that sucker's paid off. It's a, it's, it's, it's madness, right? It's madness. And I also am a huge proponent of, I mean, I've seen the data. I've, I've been there. I'm also a huge proponent of college. I think it's smart. And I think going to get educated and figure out what's, I think that's good. I think the, the, the dishonesty there is one, Everyone has to do that path. It's not true. I don't know anybody who works in a university who would say everyone has to do this. That's not, that's not true. Yet that's the that's the the lie we've sold. And I think the second one is, if you don't go to these prestigious places, you're a failure. You're always going to be a loser. And dude, that's nonsense. It's nonsense. Yeah. Right. And so um, I'm just thinking of my mom. My mom changed her family tree at the University of Houston. It's a good school. It was a city school. It's turned into a bigger university. Yeah. Just, but I went to Texas Tech. You ever heard of that one? Probably not. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but in the state of Texas, there's Rice and SMU and yeah. Baylor and University of Texas, Texas A&M. 
And I went to this the school that was down the street. And it was great for me. I went to a tiny little private faith-based school for my undergrad. Not one time has somebody asked me, like, hey, before we hire you, man, you got all these credentials, you've done some cool stuff, but let's talk about what college you went to. No one's ever done that, right? So I think there's something to be said for education's good. I also think there's something to be said for we have a phone with every question ever asked and the answer to it yeah. inside of it. And there's something to be said for go to the best possible place you can go to that you can afford. Kind of like we do with buying a car, right? Yeah. What's the best car I can drive? I can write a check for and walk out with. If it's a Camry, it's a Camry. It's a great car. It'll last you forever. Drive it, man. Um, and keep your head held high. And so, yeah, I would, I would tell you, man, tell her to find a great design school, but probably not the one that you're going to have to shell out 5,000 bucks a month just in apartment cost in New York for, right? Um, unless you can afford it. If you can afford it, great. But if you can't, you can't afford it, man. And let's go somewhere. Let's start a creative endeavor at zero so that she can have some autonomy, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I'm not uh, the biggest proponent for school for design. I feel like everybody that's successful around me in fashion has been figured it out. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, it's YouTube university works pretty good in, in regards to that type of thing, yeah. you know, but that's another story, but I, I was just trying <laughs> out the debt, the debt track for that one. You know? No, I, I think it's uh, I think it's, it's, I mean, we're almost at $2 trillion. It's mad. Yeah, where does it end? Well, I, I think the, the foot, Having been inside the system, yeah. there are pockets of people who were absolutely targeted and preyed upon. Yeah. And so if we're going to forgive that, I actually don't have a moral issue with that at all. But you can't forgive student loans. And like if that loan thing had gone through, like forgive all student loans, those kids would have gone back to school in August. They would have pulled out new loans for the new semester. So you can't, you can't be all moral and high and mighty about, the, about student loans until you agree we're going to stop making them yeah and then we can be about solving the problem and they won't do that so that means it's just a political it's just a way to thump no. your chest and politics man it's not about helping kids no it's not about help about helping the families. cycle continue you just put a band-aid on the cycle you're dealing that's right with. that's right um knowing what you know has your parenting skills changed from when you first became a parent to now dramatically yeah yeah was there certain things you had to implement differently in your life to Parent. Yeah, that 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 was work sitting with folks who were struggling with addiction was, you know, uneducated me was like, man, quit drinking, quit, quit snorting, like stop. And then it shifted to like my friend, what happened in your life that this is the best way you can get through the day, right? Wow. And that same picture has carried over to my parenting. Right. Number one, I think especially <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to overly gender this, but men are the worst about every interaction has to be a life lesson. Like with my five year old, like, hey, dad, can we go to this thing? Yeah, go clean your room. And he comes out a few minutes later, hadn't cleaned his room like he needs to learn. Dis he's five, man. He's five. Like, let's he's going to need a couple of of trips back and forth, a couple of inspections. We can make it fun. But we're also I'm going to have some consequences. We're not just going to forget it. Right. So I think we over parent a lot, but the biggest thing that shifted which is, Hey, he doesn't want to be, and I'm just picking on my son. He doesn't want to be talking back to two people who love him. He doesn't want to be feeling like he's about to get in a fist fight with his old man. He didn't want to be feeling these things. What if I approached it that way? Cause I know beating up somebody who's struggling with alcohol does not help. I know connection does. And so what if when my kid and I got tense or me and my daughter get tense, what if I leaned into that 
and said, what about this is making, what am I bringing to this? And then the other big one was this Dr. Gabor Matei's work. He's just, the, he's the best, but he talks about first time in human history. We, all these studies that say your kids' peers are their biggest influence and parents lose influence and all that, that's really new. That's when we took kids, we all left the farms and went to the factories and we took our kids and dropped them in a box and called it a school and said, y'all figure it out. And they started parenting themselves. That's new. Kids are desperate for the attention of their parents, their families. And so how can I be present with my kid? How can I be someone that my kid likes being around? Which means I got to do the work on me. A text message I sent this morning to my wife is some of the struggles one of my kids is having is an us struggle. Like we're going to have to do some changes on us because kids just absorb tension in the home and they, they spill it out. So it's made me a lot more compassionate as a parent and my consequences are the same. I'm still a pretty strict guy. I've got a bunch of crazy rules, but I'm pretty compassionate about it. And it's, it's just taking the temperature of our house and really dropped it dramatically. How do you change the aspect of dropping them in the box using school as the analogy? I'm struggling with that right now. Like my wife's PhD is in K through 12 and my work is in colleges and universities. And so we, we both are struggling because it's our lifelong passion. What do you do when you find out your lifelong passion may have taken a sharp turn and it's not helping as much as it's hurting. Um, so I, I'm, we're struggling with that right now. What's the best, what's the best avenue of schooling is homeschooling. The best is I think the, th the avenue right now that I can best picture is, um, the avenue that creates the least amount of tension in the home. If everybody's on the same page at home, I think kids can go off and do great stuff. If you read to your kids and you read books and you are connected with your kids, they're probably gonna be all right. Um, and I'm also somebody that I want my kids to hear wild things at school while they're still in my house. I don't want to, I'm not a protective, like, I don't want them to hear these ideas or I don't, I don't care about that. I want them to hear that. I want them to come home and say, dad, I heard this at school or this teacher said this so I can talk about it, man. I'd rather them hear that in my while they're still with me yeah. and experience it when they're 25 out in the, in the wild and they don't have a reference point for it. And they're going to go to Google and who knows what rabbit hole could go down there. Right. So it, for me, it's, it's, it's more about, do they have adults in that school system that care about them and love them? Do they have, um, accountability in that school system? Do they have a whole team working on teaching them like uh, the act, the actual academics, as opposed to just wanting to get test scores? I mean, there's a whole ecosystem. It's kind of a mess, but, and almost it's every schoolhouse to schoolhouse is different these days. So who knows, man? And state to state. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially state to state, man. And we're, they're moving back on that real quick too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything that uh, we normally have a closing with just the guest, uh, you know, sharing something that they'd like to share with the audience or the viewers? Anything could be motivational, could be, you know, just whatever you want to leave them with. Yeah, I would leave you at this. The ecosystem, the world of the last 25 to 50 years has told you if you're anxious, you're broken. Something's wrong with you. If you're depressed, something's wrong with you. And you got to go to somebody else and they got to fix it for you because you're dysfunctional. You're broken. And if you go to any number of clinics, they stamp you. You've got this. You've got a thing. And you'll have to write that on every insurance form you fill out for the rest of your life. You're going to have to, that's, that's your new identity. Um, 
And I don't think that's right. I think the truth is if you're anxious, your body's probably working pretty well. It's trying to get your attention. If your body has said, hey, we need to shut the system down for a season and with depression, it's probably working pretty good. What in the world in that ecosystem is not okay? You get off into major depressive disorders and some of those things, that's, that's dark and scary and you need some medical intervention. But we have a culture of disempowerment. You're broken. Somebody's got to come save you. Somebody's got to fix you because you can't do it. This thing happened to you when you were a kid. These people treated you this way. All these things happen. You're always going to be less than. You're always going to be less than. We'll come get you. And I don't think that's a recipe for peace. I think it's a recipe for chaos and anxiety. I think that if I can be anything, it's just a candlelight. It's like a lit candle in a dark room, man. You can. Like, I can't say that strong enough. You can. You can work real hard and pay off what you owe. You can work real hard and get reconnected with your romantic partner. You can get work real hard and over a long period of time reconnect with your kids. You can build a non-anxious life if, if you're invested in it. And if we start taking care of our living rooms and our neighborhoods, that, that spreads this away, right? And we turn the stupid TV off. Obviously, obviously watch this YouTube show, obviously. But beyond that, right, begin to reconnect with human beings. Um, I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt, people aren't broken. I just don't think they're broken. I think we've got dropped into a toxic system and now I got to figure out what to do next. And so that's my, that's my, my pitch, man, is your body may be working exactly as it was, as it's supposed to. The question is, what are you going to do next? I like it. Yeah. Um, also, uh, details about the drop of the book and where everybody can find you on social and, uh, yeah, you can, uh, follow me at John Deloney on the internets. And, um, I've got a call in show kind of like OG Dr. Phil, um, or, uh, uh, Dr. Laura, but people call in with their mental health challenges or their parenting or marriage issues or relationship, whatever's going on at the Dr. John Deloney show. And, um, so after you listen to this podcast, you can listen to that one. Um, and uh, and then you can go to johndeloney.com and pick this book up. It it drops October third, and uh, the presale has been a madhouse. It's been pretty rad. So uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, and it will be everywhere you can buy books. You can get it all over the place. Uh, but hey, I don't believe in uh, coincidences, and so th I appreciate you reaching out. Of course, it was awesome, man. It means the world to me. I'm and glad we were able. Just to happened it. to be headed this way so that's awesome man yeah we got it lined up pretty quick yeah yeah yeah. and uh yeah y'all jumped through a bunch of bunch of hoops to make it happen i'm really grateful for that and the most uh precious resource we got in the world is time man and so um, for both of you i'm really really grateful that's awesome it's mutual bro we appreciate you we learned a lot and uh you know with every guest we get to open another you know dimension of ourself and kind of uh unwrap and and unwind what we can do better and yeah. and uh I'm, I'm here to help other people and to put in the work myself so awesome. i like to say i get up every day and go to work so Ooh, i like I got that. some self-realization to go through I after like this that. one for sure I like that oh yeah <laughs> last couple episodes have kind of stacked up yeah just a, a bunch of different dimensions of uh 21st century life is it 21st mm -hmm. century <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but uh sure but uh a modern life so to speak you know i mean i mean we definitely are just you know it's getting heavy really fast so mm -hmm. I, I love to uh you know 
at least take note of it and start to move in the right direction. So we appreciate you sharing with us. No, thanks. You for, got a great story. As thanks well. for your hospitality, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being open and uh, and uh, you know getting down to it. All right. Well, next episode, uh, like, comment, subscribe. Thanks again, Dr. John, and uh, we'll see y'all next time. Well, see, I made it weird. <laughs>